This is Chris Hansen. Chad doing Rip City Radio here. This is Jamie Hudson. This is TJ Hushmanzada. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to let you all know something. <laughs> You're listening to. You're listening to. It, it just, just makes, makes sense. sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> We are nostalgia, we are pop culture, and we're funny sometimes. I think overall we're just a good time. They thought we couldn't do it, but guess what? We're back. Podcasts are free, and we can do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we never knew what we were doing in the first place. Yeah, that is a good point. Anyone who knows me knows that I've never had a meatball that I didn't love. What about you guys? You ever <laughs> met a meatball that you didn't like? I have. Both in person. He's sitting on the other side of the couch. <laughs> it really just shows how hard it is to win a parlay. Oh, does unless it? There's a guy in jail unless that wins you're in 20 jail. grand. <laughs> this is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. They are going to eat each other alive in the Pac-12. You can have these top caliber quarterbacks, but if you bring them to an organization where they're not going to benefit their skills and abilities, right. then it's not going to work out. And we, who are we of to call people out on losing <laughs> bets, okay? We suck at betting. And remember, don't be afraid to fade yourself. your question again and into the mic please would you rather make out for five minutes with john gruden or dable <laughs> you don't have to finish well, it would just a make out right i would want the john gruden critique oh wait but that's chris conzer like here's a guy it's not gonna be i don't get a critique judge, afterwards no. i don't get like we'll a full play breakdown I tell you what, man. I tell you what, that was a good, that was a good smooch. That was a good smooch. <laughs> <laughs> it's John tell Gruden, you what, not Scarface. That's what John Gruden That's sounds like. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I tell you what, man. I tell you what, man. The whiskey tango fox. Would you say that your costume a couple years ago for Halloween was one of your better ones? Where you shaved your face and you were, uh, what's his bucket? Tony Soprano. Tony yeah. Montana. I mean, it, it was good. I, I mean, I don't think that I really looked a lot like him, but I think I embodied him. You did. You're not Italian. I'm not Italian. <laughs> you're not an, You're not Italian. <laughs> Is it bad? Uh, and that's, uh, that's generally how when you start a with that with a question one year i was uh flavor flav is that allowed like should i have not been flavor flav that was that's like, appropriation that was the, that was what i was wondering well, i was like w- w- what color was your skin when this? <laughs> very you, white did, i stayed okay. white okay but what i did then, was i had i was able to rig a bunch of like mardi gras beads with a gigantic clock and i got like a robe no, and, I think that's And okay. I put like uh Ask him where he was to celebrate I was in Halloween. college. So you were Flavor Flav in Eugene. In Eugene, yeah. Redneck capital of Oregon. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. So. Yeah. So there you go. What about you? What was your most memorable costume? Why on? did you just dig yourself a hole? Why did I <laughs> dig myself? <laughs> Miguel's had a lot of good costumes. By good, he beats. Very bad. It really, Zombie Hooters waitress is. They were they were like so bad they're good type. 
Yeah. Costumes. I mean, like, really, Halloween is your time to cross-dress. Yeah, I've always, I've, the last few years, I've been a woman. The zombie hooters, waitress. You make a cute, you make a cute girl. Um, Not really. Uh, if he shaved, but. I mean, the WAP. Was, I was uh, partnered up with wet ass right. pussy. So mm-hmm. I had this, I had the Nicki Minaj. Is it Cardi B? It's Cardi B. And uh, Megan the Stallion. Yeah, so I had the the leopard dress with the nails and the the hair, but I've also had a lot of insensitive, insensitive ones. Yeah, yeah. I was radio. Oh sure, Cuba Gooding Jr. That's not good <laughs> at a party. I was Michael Vick's best friend, so I was a beat up dog that year. Oh, that that gosh. was. Uh, I mean, those what? are my young early 20s days like right. wasn't thinking yeah well okay yeah i'm not the gonna word, be the one that for, cast first i'll tell you the worst one. one all right i didn't want to go out for halloween this was at school so asu you go to mill avenue everyone's out and roommates were trying to convince me to come out and i really didn't want to so i put together a five minute costume which was a pope so i took the shower curtain shower rod as my Whatever you call that, mm-hmm. and um, and a hat, made- scepter, saber, scepter, scepter, and then yeah. I made the Pope hat out of a pillowcase. Right. That before leaving the apartment, that oh. looked like a Pope costume. Yeah, right. But we're walking down Mill, <laughs> and the guy that was working at a restaurant, <laughs> a black dude, was taking out yeah. the trash, and. He sees me and I'm smoking a fucking uh, black and mild. And he goes, Bro, what the fuck? And I'm like, What? I thought I was like burning the fucking uh, sheet. And he's like, Man, why would you dress like that? And I'm like, Like the fucking Pope? I'm the Pope. He goes, Like the Klan. And I'm like, I'm not a fucking Klan member. And then I take off the hat and he goes, Look at it again. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the you hat looked like a clan hat. Right, you left the, sheet. You left the house as the Pope came home a clansman. Right, yeah, yeah. That I was mean, bad. the a grand sep- wizard, the scepter is really the only thing that differentiates you from a pope and a clansman. Apparently, and not really, not yeah, really. The, so. the KKK yeah. loves a good scepter. <laughs> <laughs> so, it would have been trouble if that was a white person underneath there. He's that, like, yeah. It, thankfully, it was a big Filipino guy. It is but, baffling uh, how many people run their way into inappropriate costumes that they have to apologize for later on. Yeah. Like just like the sheer level of blackface from like every Justin politician. Trudeau. Yeah, right. It's just kind of like, oh, I was, I didn't know. Huh. All right. Cool. Did you see, uh, speaking of Flavor Flav, though, did you see his national anthem? <laughs> I saw that he actually, that he had, uh, that he had sung I it. watched like 10 seconds of it. Real, I didn't know if it was good or bad. That, well, again, that's kind of. You know, it, on the scale of Fergie to Whitney Houston, you know, it was. Uh, Halfway. About right in the middle. Listen, whenever okay, so. we have the opportunity to start the show with a national anthem. I think that we should. So he wore 59. Oh, oh say, <laughs> double clutched it. Can you see? My 
might be over on this one. What so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the So gallantly streaming. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And the rockets red glare. <laughs> the bombers sting. Oh, yes, he's laughing. Yeah. What the The ending is he's running out of breath. You can do it. All the land of the free. And the One more time. Of the brave. Woo! <laughs> flame. I mean, yeah, I'd probably give it a three there's, out of ten. There's definitely been worse. There's, yeah, there's definitely, been, definitely worse. been worse. Nothing will hold a candle to Fergie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he but, got super sweaty at the end of that. Yeah. He had to double clutch cock back. He was ready to go. Yeah, hitting the snaps. Not very often do you see the snaps come in. Yeah, not the very often do you see snaps during the a snaps uh, star-spangled great. banner. Not very often do you see snaps during the star-spangled banner. Of the Brave Times 3 <laughs> from yeah. Master Ending. I wonder how many photos there are of Flavor Flav wearing a giant clock on his chest, right. but checking his watch. Sure. Yeah. Little the redundant. Man, over 15. Do you ever actually check the, the time on your watch? Oh, all the time. Really? Actually? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's not just an accessory? No. Um, I think if you're a watch wearer, you check it that way. I don't wear watches. Dude, I want to get myself a Breitling someday. <sighs> I know exactly the type. I'm not a big watch guy, but I'm going to go right for the $6,000 watch. That's the right move. You know, that's it, how you know. In, in the world of watches, that's it's not that much. That's not yeah. incredibly high. That's a that's a good, you know, modest m- mid to low 
lower mid-tier watch mm-hmm. yeah. expense-wise. Yeah. I fell in love with it when I was on my honeymoon. We were in St. Thomas. And, you know, they always have, like, those really upscale places to try and rip you off with jewelry. And I was falling for it. I was like, maybe I should do it. Getting do a $6,000 Breitling that's like uh, you wanted to get a Range Rover and you walked away with an Audi. <laughs> I just walked away is what I ended up doing. Or sounds a PT like a great, Cruiser. Sounds like a great uh, anniversary gift. How about a birthday gift? That's what you guys got me for my birthday. Yeah, three grand Come each on. for a Breitling watch. Let's lower expectations a little bit. <laughs> I don't want you to cry on your birthday. All right, sounds good. Well, uh, mom's spaghetti. Maybe at least you can get me some mom's spaghetti. This uh, moment from Monday Night Football tickled me a little bit. Iconic "Lose Yourself" song. We've got another, uh, got another Lions game coming up late in the year, Week 17. We'd like to uh, like to catch up with Eminem for that one before that game. That looks fantastic. Anyone who knows me knows that I've never had a meatball that I didn't love. That's true. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? You ever I, met a meatball that you didn't like? I have. Both in person. He's sitting on the other side of the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, meatball could mean a number of things, both food and person. First of all, that was spaghetti in a Chinese takeout box. Yeah, that was mom's spaghetti I like right that. there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you I've heard it. it's very good. I like it. Would you rather have mom's spaghetti or the $250 beef shank that they're serving at the Super Bowl? Because there's a two-foot-long hot dog on that one. That's true. That's just like the nice little dessert afterwards. You saw that, right? No. You didn't see this beef shank? Hold on one second. Talk talk amongst yourself. So did you see the beef shank? (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I didn't. All right, let's look up the beef shank. Oh, maybe it's the, only $99, but the still. The beef shank. Look at this beef shank that... Uh, it looks fake. Yeah. It comes uh, as your World Series meal. The Hammer. And it comes with a two-foot... Yeah, the Heimhammer comes with that behemoth. And then... I don't know what else. You said the two-foot-long hot dog, oh, it's too? 99 bucks. yeah. Yeah. There's a hot dog and a hamburger that are both uh, tubes. The burger is side, like a like a hot dog. Yeah, I would probably still just no. You know, I hate spaghetti, so I would go with this with the uh, with the beef shank. I would go with the beef shank. But seriously, who's coming up with these things? I feel like that's just like the shtick of MLB stadiums these days. It's just like things that are so unreasonable. You know, they have those like gigantic milkshake things or whatever. But like, say you get that on like a hot day, that thing is melting so much you before. Drink it quick. It's so sticky and you're never getting it for yourself. You know, your kid will take two bites of it. Why would sticky be a problem? You're not pouring it on yourself. Well, no. I mean, it's going to melt all over your hands, and you're going to have little sticky hands. You want to be sticky hands? hands? You're going to have little sticky hands. Sticky hands. You want to be sticky hands? Power move. Would you eat that at your seat, or would you eat that at the table? I think I'd bring that to the seat. Why not? (laughs) I'm there for the game. That looks... You want to make friends swassy. with your entire row? You take a bite, you a pass it down. Bite, take a bite, take pass a bite, it down. pass it down. That's the beef shank. At the Speaking of eating, game. eating in solitude and shame, today I took the train back. Yes, from Seattle, I went up for for the football game. 
Um, and I was traveling with Naoko in Austin and I was hungry. We didn't get any breakfast. So I went to like the little cafe cart and I just decided to get myself one of those disgusting microwave pre-wrapped bur- burgers. burgers. Yeah. And yeah. instead of going back to my seat where they could see me watch it or see me eat it, I stood between two cars, between two cars. <laughs> and just shoveled it into my mouth. Yeah. It was like, if, if you're not going to the bathroom to eat it, then between two cars is yeah. probably the next spot. Yeah. For sure. I don't think the flavor of it is that bad. I hate that the bun, the microwave bun is like disgusting. Yeah. yeah. It, I was just like, you can taste it the rest of your day every time you burp. You burp. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. It's the, and you what do you call that? The processed meat that you get at like TV dinners? Because that's what the mm. patty tastes like. Yeah, like a Salisbury, like a Salisbury steak. steak. Yeah. And I like that. Oh, sure. Of course you do. Big old hungry mans. Well, let's see. Um, I There was a story from last week that I did not bring up because we were kind of running late on time. But as the headline goes, there was a man who was arrested for uh, faking 20 different heart attacks in order to uh, avoid paying a uh, dinner bill that he had racked up. <laughs> didn't, did we not talk about this? I don't think we talked about it. No, we did not talk about it. I talked about this with somebody. Yeah, you might. So a Lithuanian man arrested for faking 20 different heart attacks. Um, 50-year-old. Let's see. Anyways, so <laughs> he hasn't had to fake a heart attack in order to... Uh, I but it wasn't I didn't get a free meal out of it either. a free meal either. You no, didn't had to pay for everything. Rack up $800 at Applebee's and be like, dude, fuck this. I'm faking a heart attack. I'm yeah. you guys. I'm sure if I racked up a bill of eight hundred dollars at Applebee's, I would just have a real heart attack. Like one, one ton tacos. <laughs> in your younger and poorer days, did you ever uh, dine and dash, or has service ever been so bad that you just wanted to stiff someone with the bill? No, never done that. I don't. I. I don't think I have. I haven't either. Maybe like I've in s- high I've school, considered maybe. it greatly. Yeah, I, I've never that has never crossed my mind to like have such bad service that I would raise hell or leave because I didn't grow up privileged. <laughs> so I always kind of look what it would be like to be the other person. You yeah, know? that they would have to uh, actually pay for the entire thing. But I mean, if they're if they're buttheads, then they. I mean, someone tried to fight me. That's different. But dine and dash, like yeah. that's never. I don't do it. Don't do I it. I would. Um, something I have done before is going into a restaurant and then like waiting for a to go order to come up, mm-hmm. and then when they like call the name and walk away, I just go up and grab it. Oh, interesting. And it's not mine. So in that sense, kind of. But yeah. Somebody else already paid for. Do it. you look at the receipt to see what's in the bag? And you're like, uh, this isn't what I ordered. <laughs> Why did Sam get this? I don't like this flavor. Sam knows I don't like onions. Yeah, how dare he? Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever dined dined and dashed. Yeah. Because yeah, I, and I've told this before. My stepdad was always kind of a dick to like fast food employees, mm-hmm. and so I always was like traumatized by that. So I always wanted to make sure that I treated people well. In those I was scenarios. I guess lucky for me, I was never around anyone that was a dick to employees. But one of my uncles loved just 
pulling a quick one over people and he didn't do it out of like rage. It was just like, it'd be cool if I can do this every fucking time I have a chance. God. So like, I remember seeing him, this was like, I was a teenager and he would take a bite out of a Taco Bell burrito. We'd be in Taco Bell and you take a bite out of the burrito. And he's like, I'm just going to tell him I didn't want tomatoes because I know they'll let me have this one and then they'll give me a new one. And he, that was just like a habit. He just did that shit all the time. He didn't give the minimum wage worker any shit for it. He would just say it re- like super nice. He's like, hey, I didn't want t- uh, tomatoes in my burrito. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Just just keep that one or do whatever you want with it. We'll just make you another one. And he did that every fucking time, everywhere no, he went. just put it into the to-go bag. Of you. Yeah, like everywhere he went, he would just do that shit. I'm like, Jesus, man, that's a dollar. Just yeah, chill. yeah, but also genius. Good for him. It was actually, <laughs> and, and I'm pissed because I would never do that. So. And the thing is, is that like at Taco Bell or a place like that, it's like they're gonna get paid the same no matter what. You're just taking money away from this huge corporation, yeah. and it's a very small percentage at that. It would be different if he was a dick, but yeah. he's not. So you know, I'm like okay, whatever, right? Just has to remember thing, where he asshole. does it, so he's not always uh, easily recognizable. Yeah, when he does that, he walks into a restaurant rubbing his hands together. Like, <laughs> yeah, but but this guy, you got to be a repeat offender to get caught, right? You know, twenty what I mean? times. Like, I mean, how many times? Greed. Like, yeah, how many did times you are the paramedics? Like, how like are the paramedics ratting you out? How are you getting caught here? Yeah, that's maybe seems, it says in the article. Those damn Lithuanians always getting crazy. When he, when he would claim to feel unwell, he would throw himself to the ground. It was very theatrical. He would pretend to faint, slumped himself over to the ground. Is that um, a picture of him? Yeah. Is that him in the green? Yeah, that's him pretending to have a heart attack. I mean, it kind of looks it, like he is. Uh, he takes a selfie while he's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick. <laughs> Guys, I'm dying. Somebody pay my tab. I'm so dead. No, you got to say it in the Lithuanian accent. I don't know what that is. Try Come it. on, give it a try. No, I just, just try. I don't, you're the best. I don't even with know where where Lithuanian. Eastern is. European. Oh gosh, think of Arvidas Sabonis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I I can't even think of what that would sound like. Go ahead, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to begin. Go ahead, Miguel. <laughs> you know you can do it. You were just about to say Lithuania. <laughs> he wasn't going to do the accent. He was just going to say the country. I was just going to be like, I can't even start. Look at me. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> you racist fuck. <laughs> it's not even. Uh, it was just me Look at me. I'm dying. Yeah, all right, Arnold. <laughs> I'll be back. That's how it goes. So. Well, that's that. Um, tell me about so. Tell me about your trip to Seattle. You went and saw the Browns. Mm-hmm. You went and you took the train. We've already talked mm-hmm. about the yeah. hamburger, but uh, and it was part of a birthday present. Yep, it was a birthday gift from Jer Bear. She got me the uh, tickets and and the train ticket uh, for the for. Yeah, she got me tickets to the game and a train ticket for my birthday, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, we, on Saturday night, went on a Halloween, like, spooky ghost tour thing. Nice. 
But, um, and I know that if you're running one of these tours, it's your job to talk and tell about these stories or whatever. Gotcha. So it was a guided thing. Yes. Okay. It wasn't yes. like a self-guided <laughs> Is thing it like the, I think you should leave skit? Any of these fuckers I, I was jump think, out of the walls? I, I, was, I was thinking about that the entire time. I just wanted to start saying, jizz, come, fat load of cum. It's an adult tour, so you can say whatever you want. All right, then, jizz, come, fat load of cum. <laughs> but yeah, so similar to that, similar to that. and But the woman who was running it was like an over-talker. And she was did like a lot of uh, um so yeah, uh, and uh, then da 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 da, and then like, but then th- there was a lot of like fill words, you know what fill. I mean? Sure. And I was like, you, w- you, this can't be your first time fucking doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's get through. Speed it along. Was it? Were you walking? Yes. Segway? No. All right. You don't walk on segways. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, it was no, a follow we, up. We, First we of were, all, a ghost tour on segways. Look, it seems run hilarious. away from the zombies. <laughs> and and honestly, someone's not following the tour. They just go. And honestly, it was like more of a historical tour of like just how many thousands of people have died during the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds in Seattle. Yes, shocker. People have died. And boy, howdy, was there a lot. I put, they gave us gum to put on the gum wall. Oh, yeah. So we did that. And one thing Miguel that. Miguel licks the gum. I have pictures. Or you were close to, but. I liked it. Yeah, you might have licked it. I don't like that. It's how pandemics start. But yeah, they remove the gum every year. Every year? Yes. I every guess they year. Have to. They remove it. And do they make one giant gumball? That'd no. be sweet. But it's like six tons of gum that's removed. That's why I want to see it. Which is kind of crazy to think about how many people come through there and put the gum on the walls. But do you guys know why they that started? I don't know why. I'm sure I did at one point. It's the I... reason why the homeless thing in Seattle isn't as bad as Portland, because that's what they have them do. What? Homeless people remove the gum with their teeth. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's their nutrient. <laughs> it gives them something to eat. <laughs> no, so there's a, a a theater right there, because um, essentially in that alleyway was where Pike's Place Market used to be, but gotcha. it kind of mm-hmm. outgrew that space. And so now it has become um, a theater. And when the theater first opened during like the early 70s, they had a weird rule where you could not chew gum in their theater. You could bring drinks, you could have food, but no chewing gum. So kind of as a sign of rebellion, all the people standing in line waiting to get in for their concert would chew their gum and start sticking it to the wall. All right. And they didn't start removing it on a yearly basis until 2005. And when they took down, the first time they took down all that gum in 2005, it was like just piles upon piles. Like I said, tons and tons, literally thousands and thousands of pounds of gum. I love a good history lesson from Braxton Tanner. The 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 Mars, the M&Ms and all that. Hey, I'm if trying to, listen to that. keep this educational because yeah. we don't offer a lot in this podcast. We don't <laughs> offer a lot of insight or education. You could also take some from the way he tells stories where we stay awake. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, Braxton is a very good storyteller, and he retains information where I'll go like, okay, yeah, there was a thing, and then I've forgot, now forgotten half of it. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the you-would-have-had-to-be-there guy. But that's the best part. I am absolutely you-would-have-had-to-be-there guy. The best part is, though, you get, a, you get a history lesson from him, and then you tell that to other people, and it becomes twisted. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty sure there's been at least 10 people I've told the chocolate story to, but it's different candy bars. <laughs> yeah. People were murdered. no sense. People were yeah. absolutely murdered. The Snickers creator traveled to Maine. <laughs> And then ran into whoever created a hundred grand. Shivved Mars. Beat the shit out wife. of the creator of Almond Joy. <laughs> and they said, coconuts? <laughs> exactly. Dude, this does not sound real. Yeah, oh. does not sound yeah, it was, real at all. It was, it was an educational experience, but not spooky. And you then did you spook. did you stop at uh, bars then too? No, you okay. Go to so it was just like a tour, yeah. And then it didn't stop anywhere. No, okay. Dude, I mean, that... it stopped at places that were significant to yeah, the tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, not like okay, let's pop in here, grab a shot, and continue. I got you. that bar across from the Gumwall Alibi. It's yeah, a great fucking that bar. That is a it great is. bar. There's yeah. you go to that bar and then you go down. Three flights of stairs, and it's a fucking underground it, it, club. Yeah, it's yeah. Like and a, you can hear it from the bar. Like you'd be doom, sitting at the bar, doom, doom, they're like, doom. "Are they playing fucking Jackson Five yeah. right now?" And you let that one slip, and they're like, "And it's been a string of like R and B songs." I'm like, "I'm gonna get down." Yeah, there. we're going down. And there. you go down there, and the DJ is just playing for like seven people. Dancing. Yeah, like, to an empty room. <laughs> this is where the fucking party is at. Yeah, it is pretty wild. Oh, the the how loud the music is to the ratio of actual human beings in that room, but the DJ. DJ is all about it. I love it. Another cool thing about that same alleyway, a lot of the the kind of alleyways in Seattle are made out of stone. They're like stone roads. But you'll notice that that road specifically, all the stone is uneven and like asymmetrical. Right. And I It'll guess... fuck you up after a night at Alibi. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the steeper alleyways in Seattle sure. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but basically... at Seattle's the whole city was built of wood and it was because it was obviously originally like a, a lumber town and it there was a terrible fire the whole city burnt down to its base essentially so they call up their buddies in San Francisco they're like hey we want to start rebuilding our city but we want to use stone and rock and things that are more structurally sound and so San Francisco says boy do we have a deal for you we just had an earthquake that destroyed our city so we'll send you all of our rubble <laughs> and that's why all those stones are asymmetrical and different is because they are built that's, literally that's with San Francisco rubble. Yes. And wow. like, I guess 6,000 people died in that earthquake and they like never took the bodies out from the rubble. No way. Yes. So it's in San Francisco. Yes. So it's reasonable to believe that there are still the remains of dead sands. It's San Francisco people in the roads of seattle i mean i've been there many times late at night no one's grabbed me anybody yet. finger your butt <laughs> <laughs> I ghosts do that shit they are spooky that's why they always go boo yeah exactly <laughs> booty hole yeah <laughs> 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 okay so enough of the fun facts how was the game and how's you know, Amar? Did Amar talk about me? 
That's a no. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure he would. He's a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, Amar's great. He didn't come to the game, but uh, he ended up going to British Columbia with his girlfriend mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, but anyways, um, or on Sunday, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, the game was fun. The game was good. It was kind of... Had you sweating in the beginning. Yeah, and... and I told you earlier, but as soon as I didn't know the Seahawks were wearing those throwback jerseys, mm-hmm. which are sick. Yeah. One of the greatest throwback jerseys yeah, out there. Yeah, 90s ones or eight, late 80s. And as soon as they came out, I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. They're not going to lose in the you know throwbacks on, on 90s day. Montel Jordan performed at halftime. Nice. This is how we do it. It was fucking awesome. Um, but yeah. the Who raised a flag? Do you remember? I don't. Okay, that's fine. Um, but... Yeah, the game started. Seahawks got off to a 14-0 lead, and I was like, this is going to be a long day. Like, they're just going to stomp the Browns, whatever, which honestly probably would have been more preferred by the end of it because the Browns come back. They go into halftime. I think it's tied 14-14, or they're up Mm 17-14, or they're down 17-14, and then they end up going up in the third quarter, and they keep that lead, essentially, um, and then... Seahawks come back in like the final minute. There's a minute 40 seconds left. They score in 60 seconds. And obviously PJ Walker, 45 seconds left. He's not going to, he's not the guy to do that. Sure. He, you know, they go four and out real quick. I don't think they even completed a pass on that final, final drive to, to, you know, go for the win. So it was sad. And it, it was, I've been to four Seattle games now. And people were hyped the fuck up. You were in full Browns gear? Yeah. Jarrah, too? No, she's a Seahawks fan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, uh, there, and there was a lot of Browns fans. They mm-hmm. travel well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, boy, I've never been to a game. Well, I guess I've never been to a game where I'm wearing the opposing team's gear, so that makes sense. But they weren't mean. People in Seattle weren't. No, they weren't mean, but you got they, I heard it. Yeah. I definitely heard it. Yeah. Because there's this group of guys that were assumed I was from Ohio. Sure. And I'm thankful that I wasn't because whoever, if anybody was sitting in that seat and was from Ohio, they would have been very offended. <laughs> what are they saying? Uh, some, some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. They were talking about how people from Ohio, like, uh, what's the word? Have sex with your incest. family. Incest. Yeah. That's low hanging fruit. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, just a whole bunch of really shitty things. But yeah. I never like So they were to. mean. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. But not to me. It didn't affect me. They were saying it to me, but it but wasn't about- But not to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, and then we, we got back to the hotel, that which was right by the stadium, the Silver Cloud Hotel, which was awesome. And- um we came out of the elevator and there was this big group of like fans all in Seahawks gear. And the, the last dude, it was like a silent passing. And there was this one last dude in like the line of them getting into the elevator as I'm walking out. And he just goes, bro, I want to talk shit to you so bad right now. (laughs) And I just started laughing. I was like, that's pretty funny. Seahawks fans are alive. They're alive and well. Yeah. Yeah. First in the division. But everyone more or less, like you didn't see any of these gigantic fights or anything like that, right? No, it it was cordial. It doesn't really happen there. Yeah. That's not the type of crowd. I mean, it seemed, yeah, I suppose. It just kind of happens everywhere. It was was cordial. Anything that was like said was mostly fair play. So yeah, I don't think that's the stadium or the fan base that would get into a 
fight or yeah, a fight or chaos. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good time. It was beautiful weather, which I'm very, very thankful for. And a good game. Yeah. And it was a good game. Browns kept it close. Seahawks end up winning. And honestly, good for them. Come out in the throwback uniforms, have a fourth quarter, minute and a half left, game-winning drive. Good for them. And you really, really, if you felt inclined to talk back, all you have to do is remind those fans about not giving it to Marshawn and the goal line. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's always that's something that's always going to sting. Yeah. True. Say it now. They'll hear it. Hey, hey, remember when you didn't get Marshawn the ball? <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Well, good for this guy is uh, Will Levis, and they gave him the ball this past weekend. Four touchdowns after being Malik Willis is pulled in the second quarter. And why are you so shocked here? I'm listening to the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great story. I'm setting it up. Everyone knows what's happening. It's I, not that I said something maybe wrong. Maybe I don't look shit up ahead of the podcast, so I am organically surprised by the news. Right. That's that, his that you organic host a, surprise. Yeah, that he case. hosts. Yeah, that he hosts a. <laughs> <laughs> that he hosts a sports gambling <clears throat> podcast, and he's surprised about big sports fat load of comment. <laughs> But anyways, Will Levis uh, takes over the reins, uh, does very well, and it uh, strikes a lot of people to think whether or not this is the way that they should go. And Well, uh, if you, I'm sure you saw the stats that Will Levis had, which is like 239 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and like a 70% completion rate, guess who had... Very, very similar numbers. I mean, to like like a five yard, five passing yard difference, four touchdowns, seventy percent completion rate, and a win in their debut as a Tennessee Titans quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Marcus yeah. Mariota. Yeah. So don't get too excited yeah. about Mr. Marcus Levis yet. Out. Marcus's first pass, I'm sure, I think was a seventy-three yard score, or something like that. Yeah, because remember that yeah. game. The goat, the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, like when you guys think about that, I mean, I don't want to overanalyze or overreact. I mean, obviously, like Will Levis was probably on the scouting report, but I'm sure that they didn't weren't like overly studying him. But I mean, we're not prepared. Beginner's luck, or you think that he's a real deal? I it, it would be hard for him to be the real deal because I don't think Tennessee has a lot to like yeah. help him with the ath like. Wide receivers to throw to. He has Derrick Henry. He doesn't have that great of a line. I think it's different right. if you introduce somebody like him to like a Cowboys or the Eagles where you have a lot of surrounding help. Mm-hmm. So this could, I'm not going to say beginner's luck. Like clearly the dude can play, but how consistent can you be with that type of team around you? Well, I imagine, too, that uh, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo should take a beat from Will Levis and throw it to his star uh, on Monday Night Football, where Jimmy Garoppolo targets uh, Devontae Adams like six times, seven times, overthrows him late in the fourth quarter that would have at least made it a game. Devontae Adams on the sidelines. He's throwing his helmet. He's saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bitch says the lip readers and you know like and he should be he's bad dude. upset he's bad to, uh jimmy garoppolo jimmy g yeah. is bad because who were we talking about last week or two weeks ago where you're like well yeah he's not the best quarterback but if you're not gonna give him any fucking time 
how is he ever going to get it to your receivers? Well, you watch Garoppolo tonight. He had time. Yeah. He, he was back there four to five Adams seconds. Was open a lot. And at halftime, Devontae Adams had one target, zero receptions, zero yards. Yeah. And he had time back there, so you can't blame it on the line. He was getting sacked because he was holding on to the ball for fucking five seconds. He got sacked a lot, what, six, seven times tonight? Yeah. Just brutal. That's him just holding on to it. Like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, like, the trade deadline will have come and gone by the time it's tomorrow, this podcast. Right? Yeah, so we're yeah. recording this on Monday night. The trade deadline will have come and gone, so we don't have that insight yet. It doesn't sound like that Devontae Adams or anyone is going to be traded from the Raiders. So, um, But still, I mean, it's just... You know, how is that going to go for the rest of the year? You would think that, like, if you're at this stage in the year, if you're thinking maybe there's going to be a change in coaching or whatever, it sounds like maybe Josh McDaniels is going to, I don't know, it sounds <laughs> that he was going to keep his job, but who knows if they keep losing in this in, in these ways. So Yeah, it seems like the Raiders kind of just don't have a lot going for him. Yeah, just no direction whatsoever there. And I think it starts with McDaniels. I mean, I just don't think he's the guy. He's yeah. a great OC, <clears throat> but as a head coach. Proven time and time again that he's not the guy. Yeah. And, but I mean, like, we've talked about him possibly being the guy in the past, right? I mean, yeah. like, he just always seems to be that name that keeps on... Uh, that keeps on coming up. And I know that the strategy... For the Raiders, you know, you hire a deputy GM from the Patriots, then you hire the offensive coordinator from the Patriots, you know, like they were trying the to be Patriot quarterback yeah, from, from the, the Patriots. Patriot. I mean, they were trying to be Patriots West. And I don't I, I, I don't think he's in the clear, but he's not he's not my number one culprit in the Raiders. It's Jimmy G. I think yeah, I mean I think, I think they could have a better record with McDaniels as a coach, but a different quarterback. Yeah. A different quarterback, I mean, you have enough weapons there with Myers and Renfro and Adams, and you have Jacobs in the backfield. Like, how are you doing this bad? Yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk, I want to talk about uh, at the end of our NFL discussion, like which teams that since we're reaching the halfway point should just kind of like give up at this point. So I want your answers here in a little bit. Um, but Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles, such a bummer. Um, you kind of knew it right away based off of the his uh, hobbling to the sidelines. The replays showed exactly the same way it did with uh, Aaron Rodgers, where you just see that little snap go. And and now there's another one of those teams where you think, is this is this a team that should just fire sell at this point and go, listen, there's no point in even trying. I'm not. I, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of get like we're not in weeks week 14 why would you tell a team to give up at four and four halfway through the fucking season why would you mail it in at 500 halfway through the season that sounds stupid but you lose two two of your biggest weapons and justin jefferson and, and so you mail it in but i just Maybe. think you i don't think it's necessarily like giving it up but just being kind of realistic with your <clears throat> with your opportunities I mean, who do you think they could bring in and just kind of keep up immediately? I mean, they got Sean Mannion back there. <laughs> I had heard that, exactly they, my point. that there was a possibility that Jameis Winston was on the trade block. But again, by the time this is being viewed, we will know the outcome of whether or not they will make that move. But I do think that there's kind of like, 
you know, guys inherently won't give up. And I mean, we're seeing that from bad teams around. I mean, we'll talk here in just a moment about the Cardinals and how they backdoor covered that game. Um, but I mean, they're still kind of feisty. Still, when you think about like assessing where you are at, yeah, you can get to maybe the first round of the playoffs, but I mean, like, what is, can you just start thinking about how can we develop and get a better guy with better draft stock? I mean, you certainly have to pick the right guy, but I mean, but when, when you lose your quarterback, like, would you, did you have that same opinion with the Niners last year with Purdy coming in? With enough weapons around him? I mean, that was like game two, though, wasn't it? I mean, he comes in, so Trey Lance goes down, and then Purdy comes in. My point is... Purdy didn't come in until, like, the NFC Championship. Well, no, he was a little bit earlier. He was earlier than that. Didn't they go to their third string? Maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. Yeah, I mean, like, they ended up up going to a third string who then... Was it Josh Johnson? Who then went out, and then he got knocked out, too? Yes. But, like, if we're talking about the Panthers, who... which a team has nothing going on and you can't even name the players there. I can see mailing it in the plan for the draft or whatever, but you have Jefferson coming back in two or three weeks. You have Jordan Addison, you have KJ Osborne, you have TJ Hawkinson. I would never ask that team to mail it in. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that they will probably because I think that they've won enough at this point already where it's like hey we're not going to get the first pick in the draft we're probably not going to get you know one of the first couple because because they have those weapons and because football is the sport where everybody's playing for their jobs it's not like as a head coach you can be like okay everybody don't play so hard yeah because a lot of these guys they need to keep playing and performing well to make sure that they get paid next year and the year after that and so forth Mm -hmm. exactly so I think it's hard for any team in the NFL to quote unquote tank because of all those individual, you know, wants and needs of the players. Right. But and it, it, this happens too. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's on the final year of his deal. Yeah. If not, he has one year left. I mean, it's Yeah, I think so he's it's on such the final, a tough time to have year. that. Yeah, he's a free agent going into next year. And there's having one of just the worst injury. Possibly. Yeah, and individually, he was having a very good season. Yeah. The Vikings obviously were doing so-so as a team, but him individually, statistically, was doing very well. So it sucks sucks to be him. Oh, and Aaron Rodgers on line one to see how... You guys see Aaron Rodgers already doing like a few like little three-step drops and throwing the ball pregame? Less than like two the months. ayahuasca. Yeah, two months what, after that procedure that he had what on this, the healing. Uh, like, when we have these conversations about, uh, like, a player getting injured, whether you mail it in, you have a very one-sided take of of forgetting the current season, and you're always planning. I'm always plotting. You're always plotting. If you were a GM of a professional sports team, fans would fucking hate you. Yeah. No, you have absolutely terrible. zero am, care the about Sam the Hankey. present. I am the Sam Hankey of You have zero care about the present and trust it's like the process. who can we get about who can we get in the draft? Who can we get in the draft? And you're not looking at your current roster or care about what can happen this season. It's yeah. like what's next year look? What's next year yeah, look like? And it's never to compare myself to Sam Hankey is not that was his name, right? The uh, 76ers GM. Yeah. Yeah. Who was just like constantly tanking. I mean, Trust that was his whole process. strategy. Um, so, 
And he was probably the most hated GM. So there you go. That's me there. Um, Look how that worked out for Philly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, eventually it did work out for them, and he just got none of the credit for it. So I will will fall on that. Um, We lost our locks of the week after we did get a $2. We were up to $32 after the end of the first window that we could have bought out on. Uh, And 0 for, once again, well, we went 1 for 3. We we went 2 for 3. Oh, we went 2 for 3. No, that backdoor. Oh, there were some people who had... Uh, we got him at 8. We got him at 8. There were some people who had him at 10, I think. Yeah. And they covered I took at him nine. at 8. You took him at 8. Yeah. So that covered, and yours covered. Right. Well, no, no. no. Was, you had the Chiefs. I had Baltimore. I had the Chiefs. Oh, had you had the Chiefs. Chiefs. Okay, yeah. my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Okay, so you had the... There was that, you know, right at the end of the game... The there were a couple of like penalties that were called from the uh, Cardinals game in which they were able to kick a field goal and they were able to cover the ten, uh, which had a lot of people up in arms. Like he said, we got them at eight, so ours covered at two for three. But then we had the Chiefs, which you know you had Patrick Mahomes and his illness, and hey, they ha- he's never lost to a divisional opponent ever. He's thrown 29 straight games with a, a with a touchdown. That got snapped on Sunday. And then, you know, you lose to a team in the Broncos, which has not looked very good all season. No. Technically, out of the three picks, I probably felt the safest with that one. Yeah, yeah me too. And and it's one thing to like because the Chiefs have had to play games even without Patrick Mahomes and have Chad Chad Henney step up and have to perform, and it's like I could get maybe them not covering, but to lose the way they did, I mean it was what what was the score twenty four to nineteen, no twenty four to nine, yeah a double digit win oh. Thinking they got tonight. No, I yeah, I mean it was just brutal because, again, like Patrick Mahomes said, he started feeling bad Saturday night, and you know you're basically they had threatened a snow game. I think everyone thought it was going to be a snow game, but I mean you're sick, feeling terrible, and you're supposed to like play at the best top level out in 29 degrees like how are you gonna do that right so um, it would have been better off with a backup it was feeling yeah. so good god i was feeling good about that i was ready to just celebrate Who was with yours? you guys i in minnesota oh, yeah. yeah so minnesota covered that and that and we got them at one and they were you know up handily in Chiefs that game just fucked everything man. it was i mean a bunch of survivor everything. pools got killed um, you know, obviously parlays. I usually do like a little like five dollar like on all the heavy favorites, and it never cashes. Um, but it felt like I think that was the only one that killed it was, yeah. was that one. So, um, and that's, that's what's so frustrating about this season is to see games like that where you're just like, damn it, like. And then the backdoor covers with the Cardinals or whatever, where you see all of these things similar to the Rams game a few weeks back that I got screwed on for our locks of the weeks, where it's like, these guys clearly know what the betting line is. Like, how is it that you're going for field goals at the end of games? You can't do that with the time expiring. It just, how how does this keep happening? The frustrating thing is, too, is if you pick the Chiefs like everyone in the country did, I don't know if it would justify it if they just played like shit, but 
to find out later that Mahomes was sick. Yeah. That doesn't make sure. it better. It, doesn't, it makes no. it worse for me. It's like if you knew you were sick, play Henny. He probably would have had a better chance with a backup. But if you just played like shit, then I probably, like me personally, I would understand that better than you sick 24 hours before the game and just forcing yourself to I don't think anyone knew either that he was sick until after the game. So, you know, that was annoying. I saw this interesting um, stat comparison today that Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey has mirror image stats. I saw that. Yeah, through like, like the first like six seasons yeah, or like whatnot. Rushing yards, passing yards, receptions, everything. But obviously the argument the, the argument is the debate is Kamara's played more games because McCaffrey had sat out like a season and a half mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but it was interesting. That raised a question. And I was curious what you guys thought. The MVP of the NFL usually goes to a quarterback, right? With the exception of what, Adrian Peterson in 2012? Mm-hmm. And you have to have like a monster season as a non-quarterback to take that trophy. If you, at this point of the season, which is what, eight weeks? If you had to give the MVP trophy to a non-quarterback, would you give it to Tyreek Hill at a thousand yards already? Right. Like approaching two or Christian McCaffrey? I, I, that's tough. It is that's tough. Super tough. But the only reason I would give McCaffrey the edge is just because he's doing it running the ball and, and receiving. And I think that you can argue that just the running back position is a little bit more difficult than the wider wide receiver position. You're getting hit more consistently by bigger dudes, harder, close to the line, you know. So for those reasons, I'd probably give the edge to McCaffrey. Yeah, I think I agree with the McCaffrey side of things because, like, when I think of why is a team really successful, and for me, at least right now, I see, like, Christian McCaffrey carrying the water a lot for that 49ers offense. But then when I look at the Dolphins offense, yes, Tyreek is explosive and he's getting by guys very easily. But uh, like I still kind of envision this as like this is engineered by Mike McDaniel and he's helping create those opportunities for Tyreek. In a way, I think that like Christian McCaffrey is covering up for a lot of the offensive deficiencies maybe that Brock Purdy is lacking or making Brock Purdy look that much better. I think that Mike McDaniel is making Tyreek Hill look better, despite how good Tyreek Hill is. If you take either one out of their teams, who would do worse? Oh, the 49ers for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, I they still the Dolphins still have a number one receiver in Jalen Waddle. They, they still have a lot of... Uh, weapons. Not to say that the, the, the 49ers don't, but I don't think that the 49ers are as strong a, a, of a team if they don't have a Christian McCaffrey. So you both give it to McCaffrey? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Now but if, it's by a very slim margin. But if we reach, now if this is based on records, for example, how close is McCaffrey to like a single season touchdown record versus a wide receiver who eclipses Has eclipsed 2,000 yards? Right. Yeah. Like, how do you think the league would look at that? It's like, okay, McCaffrey is 
has a touchdown record or maybe one or two short of the single season touchdown record and Tyreek's over 2,000 yards receiving. And then would they then question that by looking at, well, Adrian Peterson came close or beat the rushing record over 2,000 yards and we gave it to him. Right. And there's obviously one more game. So we have that that we have to factor in. I mean, like Tyreek's, you know, whole idea is burning people and going deep. So, I mean, like he's picking up chunk yards as he's going. He's getting 50, 60 yard catches. Yeah, but he shouldn't be punished for that. I know he shouldn't be punished. That would be the same way that you look at Steph and like, well, you're. You're chucking up threes. Yeah. I'm sorry for making them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, and I think something to to give Tyreek credit is to have such a, you know, formidable offense and to have another guy like Jalen Waddle, who anywhere else would be a number one wide receiver, no questions asked. Yeah. And to still be able to put up those types of numbers when the ball is being spread around the way it is, is very impressive. Yeah, and they do have a good committee of people who are scoring. I mean, like, you know, you had, before he got hurt, Tavon Achan, who had 44 points in a game. Moster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moster, who has, who has been doing Who's really well. Who's their tight end there? It's not Gasicki anymore. It's uh, who the hell is it? Oh, yeah, because that that first thing I was thinking was Gasicki. Hold on, where is he at now? Where I is think he he's doing at the, the Patriots? Yeah, that's where he's doing the the weird. Uh, yeah, what do you call that dance? The gritty. gritty, the weird gritty. Yeah, he threw that game winning touchdown against the Bulls to Gasicki. The Bulls, the Bills. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How did DeMar DeRozan do? Huh? Okay, the reason why we don't know the answer to that is his name is Derm Smythe. So, oh, Derm. Oh. Derm. DS. It's <laughs> funny you brought up <laughs> Derm <Birdie>. girl. <laughs> <laughs> was were the night was the Niners uh Sunday night game? Or just sometime mm, no. on Sunday? No, they were they were the one o'clock window against the Bengals. Whoever was doing Chargers were the Sunday night game. Oh, that's right. Night. Chargers Bears. Whoever was doing the the announcing uh, the the Niners game made a really good point. Purdy, as good as he is, um, the reason he's not exposed, I think exposed is the wrong word. The reason he's struggling is because he relied so much on Debo. Debo, yeah. Debo sure. was kind of his out. So whenever he makes his reads and he doesn't see Kittle open or a Yuke or yeah. whoever, Debo was the guy running underneath and he could always dump it to him. Right. The Cutting same, across. The same way that like Mahomes that. has yeah. Kelsey. Like, mm-hmm. you always have that one guy. You have your safety. And it made me realize what Justin Herbert, your beloved Justin Herbert, kind of owes his individual stats to. And it's Eckler. Eckler. Yeah, for sure. Because without Eckler, I mean, just look at the season when Eckler went down week two. Herbert was bad. Like, he, like he you know, outside of... Being able to throw to Keenan Allen like that monster game that he had, and then Mike Williams goes down, he really had trouble finding people. And Eckler is his one out. Oh, right. And I think that the strategy for the Bears on Sunday Night Football was like, we're going to give up the dinks and dunks. And it turned out that the dinks and dunks but, really hurt him. Well, you can't because Eckler's probably one of the top players in the league with yards after catch. Exactly. Like you yeah. give that five yard catch, he is fucking part. going. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So they were like, I, I feel like they were, I think they talked about it on the broadcast too, where they were like, we're not going to give up the middle of the field, but we'll give up like the short yardage edges. But like those, 
really started yeah, adding up after a while. <clears throat> the thing I kind of, you know, because I do agree with you to an extent, Miguel, about, you know, having Debo there as as kind of your... Your crutch? Yeah, but it's like, okay, then Brandon Ayuk is now your crutch, or George Kittle, or Christian McCaffrey. Like, you still have so much talent there. And it's not just one guy. It's, you know, th- three or four guys that you can go to. Like, it, I feel like you should be able to fill in that that need. You know that's what I mean? That's not inaccurate, but that's more of a coaching move. Yeah. The reason to me that that point made sense is is not talent. It's the position Debo plays because they have Debo underneath all the time yeah. where he can they can hand it off to him. He plays running back and he plays wide receiver. So he's not the guy going out the way Ayuk goes yeah. or Kittle goes. He's always just kind of in the 5, 10-yard range, and he is always an out for him, the same way that Eckler is. Yeah. Eckler's not running a fade. Eckler's always around there. Yeah, the dump-down guy. Yeah. Um. So let's see. When we look at the rest of the week, and then I guess the kind of coming back to that question that I was saying, when we look at we're midway through the season, more or less, mm-hmm. at this point, where you have the standings the way that they are. I mean, obviously, the Panthers get their first win with the uh, in that rookie bowl with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Now, it doesn't much matter what the Panthers do at this point because they don't have their draft pick. That draft pick belongs to the Bears. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking at your worst teams right now, the Patriots at 2-6, and six, the Colts at 3-5, and five, the Raiders and Broncos at 3-5, and five, the Commanders at three and five, the Giants at two and six, uh, the Packers at two and five, Bears at two and six. I mean, I think that the Bears are just like the prime team to just continue sucking so bad because, I mean, they, they've got to see maybe not what they have in Tyson, ba- in, uh, Tyson Bajan, but like how can they can they see themselves moving on from a Justin Fields type to where you know they could potentially have the first two picks uh in the draft this upcoming season and then you have the Arizona Cardinals another one of those teams where they go Kayla Williams couldn't be wouldn't be so bad depending on what happens with Kyler Murray when he returns in a couple weeks I don't know I don't think Justin Fields has gotten his fair share of chances yet i mean they were winning games with him in there not pretty they've but they weren't like tanking losing in a bad way with him i mean they won one game with him but one more than one i mean they've won two games and one of them was tyson bajan yeah they've won they won one game with fields yeah i mean they're they're he's one in five as a starter so far this year and i think that they're gonna have to seriously i mean like you know this is the final year of what they would have with him they're gonna have to make that decision and and they're definitely gonna decide to go for a caleb williams or a drake may or something and then ruin the beginning of that person's career as well right the bears are a fraudulent franchise and they i mean they as far as historically they haven't been able to produce a good quarterback in a long long time yeah did you see that thing maybe you didn't see it because you were out yesterday but they were talking about like you know the fact that the chargers have had three quarterbacks 
since like the 90s, with one of those being a one game with Tyrod Taylor, and then he gets hurt um, in the second game, then Justin Herbert goes in, and then obviously Phillip Rivers. In that same period of time, 20 quarterbacks have gone through the Bears franchise. Yeah, and so I I definitely think, and personally, I think Fields is good. I I think I've said previously in in this season of our podcast that as soon as he gets to another organization that'll really be the measuring stick for who is he as a quarterback in the nfl because i i do think that he's talented and i do think that he could have success but it's just not going to happen at chicago so i do think they're gonna they are gonna move on from him and probably go for a draft pick but they're gonna be able to get probably drake may and marvin harrison or Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. from Ohio State. Yep. And if they're not able to put something together with those two guys and the the trade, you know, um value that they can get from Justin Fields cuz they'll be able to get somebody of of value from that. Like what what more do you really need? The weird thing about the Bears though is they have never had a star quarterback I think even before we were born. If you go back to the 85 Bears, the 85 Bears won the Super Bowl because of that defense. Right. Can you name the quarterback from that team? Do you know the answer? No. Yeah. Exactly. Who was the quarterback when Brian Urlacher was there? I mean, you have a, a mix, Grossman, maybe? So your best Grossman ones have Cutler. been Cutler, Grossman, Trubisky. Uh, I mean, Trubisky wasn't good. But he was that's, supposed to be good. But that's Where who you were had. hoping he would be. So good. if you think of the last two or three decades... Talent-wise, Justin Field is probably the most talented quarterback, skill-wise. Kyle Orton was good for them for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I think says a lot. I think it's so (laughs) important. I mean, like you bring in a guy like Matt Eberflus to run a Justin Fields type. I just think that like a guy who has been in the NFL for so many decades to then lead that team in the way, it just feels like it's almost like a bit of like, what does he do with this fancy car type of a thing, right? A guy who is like so set in his ways in driving his like Honda Accord. No offense to my first uh, adult car, a Honda Accord 2004. Uh, you know, shout You're out. the one throwing it yeah. under the bus. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying though, right? Is that like he almost needed like a, a bit of a new age coach for a new age but that's type my of point. a player. In a very long time, this is probably your most skilled quarterback. So what if getting rid of him isn't the answer? What if putting people around him, including a coaching staff who knows what to do with him, is the answer? Right, but they're not going to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, like at this point, they've said, we we feel like we know what we have because we've seen this in four years. I mean, this is kind of what happened, uh, why I feel like uh, Marcus Mariota's uh career was a little bit shaky as well is because like early on you know he had ken wisenhunt ken wisenhunt gets fired and then they bring in mike vrabel mike vrabel being a defensive-minded guy it was just kind of like competing styles in a way and so to bring that back to the justin fields type he's had the three years there and i feel like it at this point i think he's still 
uh, an NFL quarterback. I think, I think he's, he's still a starter. And I think that he could do very well in this type of a thing. But like at, at this point, I think that what they'll do is they'll go back to the well because they have the draft picks. They have the ability to fire a coach. I mean, we've all heard that, that report about whether or not Lincoln Riley would follow Caleb Williams to the pros and all that other stuff. People have their Harbaugh opinions on, on Lincoln Riley as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about Harbaugh here in a second. But yeah, I think that like Justin Fields... I would probably place the bet that this would be his final season. Yeah. Not that, and not in the NFL, but at the Bears. It's just unfortunate because you look at people that could replace him. I mean, how much different is Caleb Williams than Justin Fields? Not a lot different. And, and I Justin totally Fields agree. Killed it in college. Mm-hmm. Absolutely murdered it in college. And Same I don't Caleb think it, Williams is. I, it doesn't matter the talent or the name or whoever comes in. It's the organization. You know, you can you can have these top tier number one caliber quarterbacks, but if you bring them to an organization where they're not going to, you know, build around them and create an organization or at least an offense that a winning culture, you know, is going to, you know, benefit their skills and abilities, right? Then it's not going to work out. We've talked about this before, where it's like, do you have an organization that? molds to the talent that they have Mike, McDa- Mike McDaniels yeah or yeah. or do you have Daniel or do you have you know a culture of hey you need to change to fit our right. way of doing exactly. things and I think that the bears are definitely the latter absolutely I totally agree I mean yeah. like you'll see the Kyle Shanahan's adapt you'll see the Mike McDaniel adapt you'll see all kinds of coaches that will that will adapt. I mean, like Nick Sirianni as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like imagine if Andy Reid and and Andy Reid for sure. Andy Reid got somebody like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields would flourish. Oh, absolutely. He would 100%. absolutely fucking kill it in the league. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like this person is maybe like a quote unquote system quarterback. They just need a coach that is like a that is as adaptable with anything, right? Where it's like, oh, you're gonna fit my style. It doesn't work like that. It yeah. never does. Yeah. Um, or at least very rarely does. And especially with your biggest impact players, you need to set these guys up based on their best skill sets and expecting them to shift to you. Like they got their millions of dollars by playing the way that they play. Yeah. And it's your job as a coach to, like, this is your fault. Like, I mean, we've. There's this whole the whole quote about like the like generals will say this or whatever. It's like if my team succeeds, it's their it's their fault, right? It's their good job. If they fail, it's my fault. Yeah, and that's just like always the good like accountability to do. And I think that you know we we haven't seen the best of a guy like Justin Fields. And I think a great example of that was earlier this season. Justin Fields came, he was asked during a press conference or in the locker room about coaching. And he was like, he was like, you know, maybe my play is due to coaching. You know, we'll have to see and figure that out. And and then the next day he comes into a press conference and it was like, oh, no, it's not the coaching. It's my fault. I need to be responsible. And, you know, that that attitude change came from somebody probably in the coaching staff who came to him and was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You're talking shit on us. You need to be more responsible. And I think that's... It's not what leaders talk like. Yeah, yeah. You, you need to... I think if you hear a player say that, you should take a step back and be like, okay, maybe maybe we do need to make some changes. 
accept accept the constructive criticism. Don't harp back on them and say, no, it's your fault. You need to take credit. Go the out whole, there and tell them. The real leader's way of thinking, like you mentioned, where like coaches take accountability, like, you know, you get the credit, but I take the fault. I take the blame if we lose. That is the exact same way that I look at Sean Payton, how I had a lot of respect for him in New Orleans. And zero respect since he took over Denver. Yeah, no, like for sure. you're throwing your players under the bus, like old on coaches, post game interview. Yeah. Like, no, I thought he, I thought I've always looked at him as one of the really good coaches in the history of the league. And then he takes over Denver, and he, he's lost as a much lot as I don't like Russell Wilson. Like, you don't talk about your yeah. quarterback like that. You don't talk about this person like that. Yeah, and no matter how much Russell Wilson has, you know, degraded in his play. He's still a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And that says something. Obviously, there's a coach out there who's able to take his skill and have success with it. And it sounds like you're failing. And if you come out and have that kind of attitude, I totally agree with you. It's like, dude, you're losing all respect. Losing all respect. And I wonder if you guys think I'm going to shift to uh, college because I think that that uh, was actually a pretty good segue. I'm wondering how you guys feel about what Coach Prime said over the weekend. Obviously, they've lost four or five games now. There's one quote that's gotten a lot of attention, and it was after uh, their most recent loss this past weekend. Uh, He was asked about... uh, you know, big picture, what needs to happen and wherein lies the problem. And he very much said the quiet part out loud, and I wanted to get your guys' take on him saying this. Really do. Coach, you mentioned the, the coaching aspect of it as well. Yes, sir. Specifically with the offensive line, I mean, what has to improve in that aspect besides from... The line. The line has to improve. It ain't no aspect. The line has to improve. Coach, we've talked about run-pass balance a lot. Yeah. I think it was up until that last drive, you had maybe seven carries of running backs, you had like 34 passes. Yeah. How, how much is, is it, that is a struggle for you guys right now? Well, it's a struggle to run the ball. It's a struggle to run the ball. And uh, we we got to figure figure that out because now you're, you're one-dimensional, and it's easy to stop a team when they're one-dimensional, and that's who we are at this point in time. Could follow up on that? Could being able to commit to that, you talked about one. Commit to what? Running the ball. I think we committed to it on a first down and we were second and 15. Those are the type of things you don't want to do and get behind the eight ball. First downs are so vital. First downs are everything. I mean, first downs are when we held them um, statistically on first downs, it was hard for them to move the ball as well. And uh, when we're getting negative yards on first down, that's a tremendous loss. Because now you know you're going to throw the ball on second down, and they're they're calling their defenses pertaining to that loss. I just ask that in terms of the big picture, trying to keep Shadur upright, healthy. And the big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture, and I'm going to paint it perfectly. The big picture is you go get new linemen. I'll paint it perfectly. An interesting thing to say when uh, you are now hoping that that line will continue to keep your son I, upright for the next five or six games. I don't want to say this as like a, like a, like a cop-out for Prime because I, I clearly like him. Yeah. I think because of the way he coaches and how different he is, I don't view this as what we just talked about as throwing people under the bus because he never said once outside of, you know, get new linemen. It was a, we like, we need to improve. We need to figure this out. But the way he coaches, he, 
this is how he talks to those kids in the locker room. Right. You know, he's super tough. When it's like the lineman needs to improve, I think he I think he addresses the entire unit as a team. But that's probably because of the way he coaches. That's what he feels like knowing that team, knowing the kids, knowing the linemen. That might be how they respond. Well, you think it's that not they'll an respond ex- though? I don't know, but that I don't. I, I'm saying I don't see it as a. I'm not making an excuse for him. I feel like because of the way he coaches, that might be like the way he gets those kids to respond. And and to be honest, it's football is a next man up league, and if you don't have the guys to go, you know, and step up and to do what's sufficient to win football games. You know, at some point you're going to get replaced. That's that's just the fact of the matter. And obviously, he's had a ton of success hitting the transfer portal. He's not going to have any issues. I just saw that he like signed a five star quarterback to Colorado to come and play in 2025. Like he's not going to have problems getting new guys. Um, and at some point, that's that's the answer. You know, they are six seven games into the season at right. this point. And that is by far their number one issue. They have become a one-dimensional team. They aren't very strong on the offensive line. Thank, thank God is his son is an impressive quarterback, but he has, to his point, he has the most passing yards of anyone in, in college football, and that you know isn't always a good thing. You have to be able to r- right. run the ball, mm-hmm. and if you're not getting it done, then you get replaced. And that's, this, that's the fact This the isn't like a turn... Like a like an opinion you're getting out of Deion Sanders because all of a sudden they're losing. This is how he came in. Right. He came in well, as that, like that, I'm that... I'm bringing my Louis Vuitton bag, and if you can't if you can't handle the heat, you got to get out. Right. Well, so he's th- been consistent. That's my that's my question though in regards to kind of why I gave you that look about like how is that going to motivate guys because guys have seen exactly what he has done. He's not giving them any false hope. None of those guys are going to be starters next year unless they like you know whether they graduate or not. Like so, I mean, whether or not like oh this is going to motivate these guys to play better. No, he's legitimately going to go out and get new linemen. And so it's like to say that now. Right. It's like I do think that that's thrown those guys very directly under the bus, whether or not we all know that that's the truth. And so that's why I don't think it's going to motivate those guys, because they have clearly seen that they're going to be replaced. That's not good. But at the end of the day, Pete, if if this isn't. If this they're not the guys motivate them, then they're not the guy he guys he wants. That's either way, why he's doing either that, way, his step you know? is towards improvement, whether it's the same guys or new guys. Because the kind of guy that he wants in his locker to, locker room hears that and says, fuck, "I got to step up." Fuck that! I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm yeah. going to work twice as hard. I'm going to hit the weight room. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that I'm not included in that type of conversation anymore. And I think that's what he wants. He wants the guys who can hear that constructive criticism and be able to step up. And I and I think there's a difference, like like for instance, with um, we were just talking Sean Payton, like he's being pretty specific about the people and players that he wants to see improve, and Russell Wilson and things of that nature. I think it's a different thing to say, hey, as an offensive line, as a group, we need to do better. And I think that's very easy to see. You know what I mean? Like I, with Russell Wilson, for instance, it's like you can point at a lot of other things within that team and see a lot of fault on that Broncos team. 
I don't, I don't think it's as clear as day to say, oh, this is all Russell Wilson's fault. And it's kind of immature for Sean Payton to do so. Whereas with the Colorado Buffalo, their one weakness is their offensive line. Yeah, is the only thing on that is really holding them back from from being great. Also, Pete, if you compare it, we transition into this from how we're talking about NFL coaches throwing players under the bus. But the difference between coaching a multi-million dollar professional player where you technically need to take a back seat and make sure, like I said, we all agree the success of that player comes from how you coach them. And but these guys got to that level because they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. The difference between coaching college kids is he needs to take that stance. That's why they've been successful. And they've been pretty consistent, I will give you that, where um, you know, they've had a good number of motivational speakers come in and basically talk about the such a, the 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 minuscule chance that they will ever step foot on an NFL field anyways. They talk about like the numbers, it's like there's all of you here and here's the percentages and all that, and to try and like put things into perspective for them. So I mean like you know, they do very much try and reality check their players all the time. That's why I don't think this is going to be a, a shock to the lineman yeah. that he's calling out. And so, one thing I'll say about Prime and this, and obviously I'm, I'm a fan of his and have been for a while. And this might come across as kind of cheesy, but it's like, you know, that he's the type of coach who it's not like he no longer cares about them as men and he doesn't want them to succeed and be, you know, have successful, be successful in their education and all those kinds of things. I'm sure he's supportive of all those kinds of things where I think obviously it's a different nature in the NFL. Whereas like a Sean Payton, it's like, I'm sure he would love to tell Russell Wilson to just go fuck himself. You know what I mean? There, there's no care or concern, and obviously it's a different beast between college and NFL. I, I get that, but I, th I think that at the end of the day, he's doing what is necessary for him to be good at his job, and if those guys can't step up and get it done after he's given them ample opportunity, this is the first time he's said anything that directly after several weeks of it being kind of a blinding issue in their offense, I I don't I don't see that as being as bad as what you know a Sean Payton is doing in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's um, contradictory, but I just don't see it the same. Yeah, sorry, Pete. It's <laughs> you wanted us to turn on Prime, and <laughs> that was your goal, and it, it's just not going to happen. Uh, well, someone else who needs a bit of a reality check is Pat McAfee, and on uh, the college game day uh, desk, uh, they were at. Uh, University of Utah this past weekend for the Oregon and Utah game. And we have played on this podcast before, Pat McAfee, who really likes getting the crowd going. And so when it came down to picking between Oregon and Utah, uh, Pat McAfee chose what he always does, and he decided to go with the crowd. I had no idea what to expect whenever I came out here to Utah. And Coach Dan Lanning came onto this set today and was the first ever away team coach to ever show face and face the music in front of the Utah fans. So we're very grateful for that. The bodacious Bo Nix is certainly Bo efficient. He throws the rock all around. Their defense is phenomenal. 
But did you know that 29 out of the last 30 home games that happens right here at the University of Utah, the Utah Utes win. Cam Rising said yesterday, we don't lose at home. And today, they ain't losing. This place is going to be soaking in celebration this evening. Soaking in celebration. Remain in the college football playoff. That's Steve Smith. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Shout out to Utah. Shout out to the Moss. And shout out to Dan Lanning. I love you. But today you go home a loser. And let's go ahead and check that score, Pat. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da. Oh god. Peter coming from <laughs> you, it's just cringy. It's not a wild take for him to take Utah, first of all. All right. Nobody sat here and thought Oregon was gonna run away with the game. Eat Maybe your words. I, eat your words, I Miguel. Said, I'm not a real fan. <laughs> I said stop, it's cringy. I said, and I quote, Oregon will handle Utah. Last week on this podcast to you, I said Oregon will yeah. handle. Followed with, I'm more nervous about Utah than I am USC. And I am. I think that the USC game will be closer than the one, or the Utah. Wait. You, I said I was more concerned about yeah. Utah than USC. It's weird yeah. when you're lying. You can't keep track, huh? Well, <laughs> my, my point is is that I think that Oregon will probably beat USC by more than this. I think USC is fraudulent, and I've said that from the beginning of the season. Yeah, he scored 50 points, uh, 50 to 49 there against good old Cal, interrupted by a bit of a uh, protest. I don't know if you guys saw that part, like yeah, whole delay of the game of the whole game there. So, thirty-five to six, manhandles Utah. All I'm saying is, no one saw this coming. I think that's exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. thirty-five. <laughs> oh, you Braxton. saw thirty-five to six coming. I saw a double. Oh my digit god! Win, shut the fuck sure. up. You <laughs> never saw thirty-five to six. Yeah, coming. who yeah. predicts I mean, the score? Is I mean, we try and do that all the time, actually. But no one predicted I mean, I a blowout that, win. Yeah. Okay, no yeah. one predicted and it's very a blowout impressive. win. It was very it's very impressive. impressive. That Oregon defense, is especially no joke. the way that like Utah, how this has flipped in Utah's favor in the past yeah. couple of years as mm-hmm. well. I mean, Utah's done that both with Oregon and USC. Like they have been just this mighty silent power for so long, and uh, it was interesting to see that. I mean, like you know, Oregon right back into the conversation of the college football playoff because of a game like this. Then you get Kansas, which beats Oklahoma. They tear down the goalposts and throw it into a lake. That was awesome. Um, That was pretty sweet. This is going to be a roller coaster of emotions because we've addressed this so many times in the beginning of the season when we started this college football season. They're going to eat each other alive in the Pac-12. So to come out of the Pac-12 with, first of all, if you come out of the Pac-12 undefeated, I would be fucking impressed. If Washington doesn't lose one game, I'd be impressed. If you come out of the Pac-12 with one loss, I would be impressed. Like, I'm picturing when it's all said and done, they all come out with two. Like, if I don't think it's a gimme for Oregon to lose one more, I don't think it's a gimme for Washington to lose at least one. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oregon State's lost two. Utah's lost two. Washington State came out hot, and all of a sudden they're four and three or five and three right. or some shit like that. It's it, they're all going to kill each other. They're going to kill each other's hopes for the playoffs. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And I I think that like this next week, like Oregon, I don't think we'll have as much uh, problems with Cal. I think that like that November eighteenth game against Arizona State is like probably the kiss of that, death. This is what's right? dangerous though, because when we started the season, we're like, okay, Oregon, UW, Oregon State, Utah, they're all going to be fucking dangerous. The teams we didn't mention all of a sudden are coming out and playing well. Yeah. Yeah. Stanford, with that receiver that puts up 200 yards a game, Cal, Arizona State, where the fuck did you come from? Right. Arizona. The bottom of the barrel teams are now being competitive, so when you tell me that Oregon might not have a problem with Cal, it might be They scored 49 points. So you're like, oh, Utah-Oregon will be competitive. It wasn't. Utah got blown out. Oregon should run away with Cal. I didn't say run away. I just said that I don't but, think but, they will have as much trouble. But as it's USC getting had. weird at this point. We're like, yeah. okay, what if Cal puts up twenty eight points against Oregon? And it might be closer and than you want. Stalls, right? Luckily, the, it's yeah. a home game. The so one thing that I and I've said this multiple times throughout this season, but, but the one thing that is just so much different about this Oregon team than a lot of other Oregon teams and a lot of other Pac twelve teams that have had success is they have. An SEC style defense. Dan Lanning has created this kind of new culture in their defense where they have these big SEC dudes up front who are able to keep teams like a Utah to six points. And I just, I, that's why I have so much confidence, especially going into a game like Cal, where it's just like, you know, they're not going to be able to score points like, like they usually would against a, a USC whose defense has been pretty fraudulent this whole year or or any other team that's very high praise to have an oregon offense with bo nix and bucky and troy franklin to be able to move the ball the way they do and you're saying they have a very very good sec like defense do you see them making it to the playoffs yeah i I mean i think washington and oregon have both an pretty equal chance to make it to the playoffs would you have enough confidence to take Oregon against the field to make it in the top four? The Pac-12 field, you mean? Just the field, just to make it in the top four. To go past Washington and Florida State and whoever else, like whoever's sitting in five, six, seven. Yeah, I mean, like, barring, I mean, if Oregon and Washington both win out and then meet in the Pac-12 championship, I think the winner of that is going to the playoff. How well, confident are you with Oregon making it to the top four? As they sit right now. I mean, it really comes down to, I think it comes down to two games, in my opinion. It comes down to Oregon State, the Civil War game. I think that they're going to, that that will probably be, be their most difficult game so far, outside of Washington, obviously. It'll be their most difficult Pac-12 in-conference game is against Oregon State. Because as we know, Oregon State has a team unlike they've had in a very long time. They also have a very good defense. But I mean, I I think I I think that regardless, there will be a Pac-12 team in the playoff. I do think that, but I really just think it comes down to that that Oregon State game, and if they beat them, then the Pac-12 championship against Washington. Right. Again. I think too. I mean, obviously, you're catching USC 
at a time where if you beat them, you're beating them as a top 25 team, not a top 10 team, which is a bit, you know, yeah, it's not it doesn't look as fancy as yeah. when they, you know, when they receive their first loss of the year to Notre and they Dame. haven't been playing great, obviously. Sure. So it, I agree with you. It, it's not as as um, not as fancy for sure. Yeah, if it happens, right? It's still like, oh, great, like you beat this team, but you know, it's a little bit different. Well, but, you, and go ahead. I do want to say, I, I'm also not forgetting about the fact that we could very easily, like we have done in many seasons in the past, lose to an Arizona State, lose to a Cal, but. I, I think that it's way less likely for that to happen this year with the team that Oregon has than it has been in previous years. Um, when you look at this week's slate of college games, there are not a ton of top 25 uh, direct matchups. You have, uh, who was it, uh, Kansas State and Texas, uh, 7 versus 25. but then when And then uh, Georgia versus number 14, Missouri, but you look at kind of up and down. There's not like terrible games. I mean, Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. You've got that rivalry game, um, but this is one of those ones where you go, "Is this a trap week?" Right? I mean, obviously the Washington USC game is a top twenty-five matchup. Alabama LSU this week. I kind of forgot about that matchup. That'll be good. Um, but I mean, if you look kind of up and down at other top twenty-five matchups, you think. Hey, maybe this is a, a nice little easy week. Beginning of November are absolute trap weeks in college yeah. football. It is absolutely a trap week because what happens is you are getting to the second half or beyond the second half of the season where you're heading into the rivalry games and then bowl games. And you have maybe fatigue setting in. Right. You've just had a couple of really tough opponents. You and want to breathe a little bit. Yeah, and this is around the time that an Oregon, a, a, a tough Oregon team has lost to a Stanford, has lost to an Arizona. Um, a top four team drops a game, usually first two weeks of November. Mm -hmm. So this is where you kind of start separating that top four and usually two of that sticks yeah you know who the two is gonna be right now ohio state and michigan like michigan had a buy but ohio state's not a lock in there florida no. state is up there washington's not a lock georgia because of the way they've been winning so fucking ugly this season yeah, i they was finally not, won i wasn't a, a believer this past week this game they didn't have brock bowers who arguably is one of the best college football players this season and they handled them mm -hmm. i'm like okay georgia Eight and zero is the number one team is for real, and you know without their best player, they could run away with this. Another and, and what they've won twenty four games in a row without losing a game since last yeah. season. I think they're a, they're definitely a lock to be up there. But <clears throat> if you're a college football playoff team, you will have lost any all of your games by now. Yeah, I think that it is so hard unless you are that like. 2-3 Michigan-Ohio State that plays down to a wire type of a game where you potentially say, could this have another look? But if you're a college football playoff team, your losses have already happened. And and if and if you lose right now, <clears throat> it's it's tough to come back. From I it. agree. It a lot. There will definitely be a Pac-12 team in the top four unless they all lose more than one. Right. I think you cannot 
you you can't deny a one loss Pac twelve team. Yeah, I think if you came down to Florida State versus Washington or Oregon, you have to choose the Pac twelve team to go in the top For four. Sure. But any of these fucks lose two. There's not going to be a single Pac-12 yeah. team, and no matter yeah. how competitive it if is. You have a two-loss. There's Pac-12, not going to be a two-loss Pac-12 team, yeah. even though it's, it's probably the most competitive conference this season. There, really you can't tough. you can't let that happen. Yeah, and I, I don't think this will happen. I think that Washington is a very sound team, and USC is not. But if for some reason Washington were to lose to USC this week, uh, that would make that Pac-12 ch- championship game worth a lot the tough thing the tough thing with these rivalry games though is like washington state always plays washington tough oregon Mm -hmm. state always plays oregon tough so you have these games before the pac-12 championship you could easily screw yourself by fucking one of them up so as a uh unbiased football analyst i'm I'm the (laughs) one unbiased (laughs) analyst here not me um you you do you do you also feel that when you watch this Oregon team that it feels a little bit different, especially on the defensive side of the ball? No. No? No, I don't feel and it's not a knock. It's not a knock. I'm not saying this as like a knock because I hate Oregon. I'm saying I've not seen anything different from the other talented teams. I've not seen anything different than the Justin Herbert Rose Bowl team. I've not seen any different than a than a EFO led defense from Oregon I think uh I I get what you're focusing on it's like landing southern guy making it an SEC but they've had I mean the defense they had with Mario was not a bad defense that was a pretty good fucking defense with Efo and um and this is like going back like Armstead any of these guys those were monster defenses like Buckner isn't small Armstead isn't small they had a Jason Taylor type defensive end in those teams. Those teams were fucking scary yeah. for that defense. I'm saying I'm not seeing anything different from this current Oregon defense than I've seen in the past. Okay. And and to say in offense, it's even more so because they have two stars that Bo Nix gets the ball to. It's Troy Franklin and Bucky. And J- James, James Jackson? Yeah. James Jordan. Jordan. James yeah. Jordan. But yeah, like... You know, Travis Dye was incredible for them. Yeah. Um, the fucking hyphenated last name, Brooks James, yeah, mm-hmm. was very good for them. I mean, if we're not going back to the chip era, they've had very talented track stars on that team. Yeah. So I, I'm not I, seeing anything different. The one thing I'm seeing that's different is they have a 45-year-old quarterback who's so fucking <laughs> experienced, who's yeah. seen, who he has seen, Every scheme in college football playing in the SEC and playing in the Pac-12, that gives them such a unique advantage playing against Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, and now he's playing in the Pac-12, and you can see kind of how calm and easy it is for him to be back there. Right. That is the biggest difference compared to even a great quarterback like Mariota and Herbert in college. Yeah. And I mean, like having having the two running backs in the backfield, you know, rotating through, you know, feels like the LaMichael James, Kenyon Barner type, you know, again, you're talking about that experience, but I agree with Braxton when it comes to like this, this type of defense, because it's a very, it's, 
it's a gritty defense, but it's also quick. And it's also like it's recruited with that SEC mind that hasn't really had that, you know, hasn't really had that mentality before. And, you know, like you've always had this, like they're always like thinking about how quick can our defense be? Not like how, and I feel like yeah, that. How, not that like hard. I don't want to take yeah. away anything from this defense. Like I said, I just don't see anything unique because if you're talking about one of the great SEC defenses, you would be giving up 10 points a game. This is the same defense who gave up 30-something against Texas Tech and 36 against yeah. Washington. So I think it's easy to focus on when they have a dominant game yeah, against Utah. It's not Utah. exactly a Georgia yeah. defense. Yes. You know, it's like it's <laughs> still a little bit different because you're not getting the same recruits. And who knows? Maybe in three or four years, Laning's still there, and he is getting – he's pulling Georgia dudes. He's pulling Alabama dudes, and that defense could look like – a fucking LSU who gives up three points mm-hmm. a game. Yeah, but I've seen them give up thirty at a against a two and four Texas Tech against Washington, who's a pretty good team. But I just haven't seen. I've not seen anything different compared to other Oregon defenses. I but guess time I'm, will tell. I'm just not used to having like usually we have the Armstead or Buckner. We have the one guy on the defensive line who's like as good or an SEC style player. And now we have three, you know what I mean? And that, and also our, our linebacking court usually, like you said, focus much more on speed and agility, where that front seven is much more hard-nosed than a typical Oregon this, defense. This Oregon defense, the front line is way above average. Yeah. But their corners get burned. Corners Their good. corners get fucking burned. Yeah. I mean, Phoenix exposed the shit out of them in their corners. They don't have and but Oregon has had that defense where the front line is getting ran over. Yeah. But their their safeties and their secondary yeah. have been yeah. fucking. Even against great. Washington State, it, like they got a little bit loose yeah. there too. Like yeah. I saw that. And I agree with you to that extent. But I mean, you know. It's an exciting team though. I, I haven't been ex- this like I'm always excited for Oregon football, don't get me wrong, but like uh, there's something about this year that's just like feels a little bit differently and feeling. obviously is going to break my heart even more at the end of all this <laughs> but uh i i just really feel good about this team time and, will tell and they are playing really well i love it time don't lose to asu that's embarrassing that is embarrassing well braxton how do you feel don't about lose this to kenny dillingham locks of the week scared <laughs> Someone's got to pick the winner between the Giants and the Raiders. We're not touching that. Please, (laughs) to God, don't touch that game. Well, can we? Oh, you know what we could do is we could pick the under 38 and a half of that game. You want to touch that? The Giants Raiders? No, because watch Devontae Adams go off for fucking four tugs. I got mine. All right. One second before we get into that. Um... Mine goes in the same line as your Tampa Bay bet, but I'm pretty confident with this team okay especially because the team that they're playing lost his one of his favorite receivers to a torn acl this week okay i'm taking the commander's money line at plus 136 against the patriots oh boy commanders at plus 136 home dogs or uh, road dogs i guess that makes sense no kendrick bourne no Kendrick Bourne. No Kendrick Bourne. He yeah. loves. He's been throwing the Kendrick Bourne. And Washington. I know they play Philly pretty close every time. They lost to Philly, but 
Sam Howell just went off for four touchdowns. Yeah, sure did. My hope is that, I mean, there were reports, and again, this will bear out once we get to the uh, once we get to the trade deadline. Apparently, the commanders were shopping uh, good old Chase Young and all those guys, too. Which Has Chase Young even played this season? Yeah, he's played almost the entire season. Yeah. The thing that we haven't noticed him playing is a problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, my, I don't know if you guys watched the Philly Commanders game, and you know how like Commanders always play him really close. Did you see the tush push fake? Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was good. It was the perfect time for that. To too. Swift, yeah, perfect time for that. My lock of the week this week: uh, three point uh, road favorites, but I'm going to go with just the money line. Uh, the Chargers, I'm going to pick my Chargers uh, to beat the New York Jets at minus 155 on Monday Night Football. Oh, why are the Cardinals at plus eight? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Because they could cover. Because the Cardinals, yeah, they found a way to cover these really crappy games. Did they just lose All another right, player? Fuck it. I'm going to take the Cardinals plus eight. <gasps> Unless uh, there's something that we're missing here that seems like way too big of a spread. Did the Cardinals lose a player? Did they mm, did no. anyone get hurt? All right. We're doing it. I'm not I'm not that is at plus six forty one. Thirty dollars pays two hundred twenty two dollars and thirty six cents. Again, Commanders plus 136, Chargers minus 155, Cardinals plus 8, and minus 110. So ours is money line, his is spread. His is the spread. Cardinals spread, Chargers, Commanders. Let's do it. If you're following these picks, pick two of those to lose. Yep, that's how it goes. One to hit. Yep. Or one to lose and two to hit. You just got to figure that out on your own. <laughs> it's called a round robin. Or all three. Yeah, round robin. Round it. robin us. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine. You will be fine. Actually, don't do that. Tried to do that on tight end day. No one cared. It's no. probably not great to address. How much money have we lost? Seven weeks? Yeah. $210? We'd be $8 in the hole. $70 each. So 210 Yeah. Plus this, it, we're at $240. We'd, $240. Yeah. So we'd be down 18 and we stand to win 220, yeah. 222. Yeah, we're going to do it. Mark my words. We're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to go. One. We're going to get three picks correct. We're gonna, we could do three uh, correctly, honestly, right? It's pretty this, magnificent. We're going to go have. one in 16. <laughs> we're going to win the last regular season week. Do we get the first pick in the NFL draft? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. You know, it, it really just shows how hard it is to win a parlay. Yeah. Oh, does it? There's a guy in jail unless that wins you're in 20 jail. grand, dude. <laughs> yeah, unless you're in jail. I mean, he's fighting for his life, man. He is indeed. And All right. So are We're we. We're just going to get to the last five weeks, and if we still haven't won, we got to up this to 20 each to really get some Oh, yeah, back. we do. We, yeah, we got to start doubling it up. <laughs> definitely. Hey. Win all your money back in one week, 50 each. Yes. $150. If we Sign feel really confident up. about it, we might as well. But, hey, yeah, there's going to be. felt really confident. <laughs> there's going to be a week 15 and a week 16 week. that the entire Chiefs will sit out. The Eagles will sit out. Might be easier to hit around that time. Yeah, we're going to get fucked. We're going to get so screwed. 
Clear eyes? Four hearts. Can't lose.